All right, the first question I'm told is not a hypothetical question. It is, in a Mystic slash Relic deck, would you sooner run a Glacial Grasp, Inordinate Rage, or Spell Shield? So uh, this is an interesting question because I talked about how the uh, Mystic deck and the Relic deck, like Mystic and Relic look for the same cards but push you in different directions in that uh, the Mystic's really aggressive and the Relic is uh, really like, you know, controlling, we'll say controlling, it, it wants a control deck. But obviously both cards are very strong and once you're playing with one and working hard to support it, since it likes a lot of similar cards, the other card is going to be good in your deck. So it's not uncommon that you will end up with Mystic and Relic in your deck. And that's the kind of thing that can push you into kind of this, you know, all all limited decks are mid-range kind of space. And um, Blue-Red does just, like, end up there fairly often. But uh, as to the question of whether I'd sooner run Glacial Grasp, Inordinate Rage, or Spell Shield, my first pick there is definitely going to be Glacial Grasp. Anytime I have... Uh, Relic in particular, but any of these spells matter things, I'm really looking for cantrips so that I can uh, keep generating more triggers. And I mentioned that uh, Glacial Grasp in particular is great with Relic Amulet because it answered, like it buys time against the big things uh, while your Relic Amulet's either answering little things or charging up to answer the big things. So basically, no matter what other stuff I have going on, Glacial Grasp is going to be my highest preference of those cards. Uh, and then between Inordinate Rage and Spell Shield, I think that's pretty close, but I'm going to prefer Spell Shield uh, because of the fact that I have evasive creatures and removal, as uh, defined by the prompt of this question, which means that I'm uh, minimally likely to get into combat. And so the like trick offered by Inordinate Rage, like I'm just not like... I'm more interested in the counterspell side of Spell Shield than the win combat side of Inordinate Rage. Um, and obviously I also like the, you know, mana, like the fact that I can play Spell Shield for one in a spot where I'm potentially trying to play a lot of spells. Um, and I also maybe have some kicker stuff going on in this deck, that's possible. Uh, maybe I have a Riptide or whatever. Uh, but both Inordinate Rage and Spell Shield are going to be very low priorities uh, on the hierarchy of all the instants and sorceries that exist that I could be playing uh, in this color combination. Do I think Relic Amulet and Rockslide Sorcerer can be in the same deck is the next question, which of course was asked before I uh, gave the full answer to the previous question. So uh, obviously the answer is yes. Those cards are great in the same deck. When you have one, it's going to point you in like slightly different directions depending on which one it is but it is i mean these are uncommons that not a lot of people at the table want even though they're really strong and it is often the case that you will have both of them and that's fine uh the other one like whichever one you get early or you know you you choose a direction for either one of them or kind of somewhere in the middle and both are good cards but one of them isn't fully optimized or something it, but yeah I, i'm certainly going to be happy to have uh multiple wizard and spells matters cards in my deck regardless of how aggressive or controlling i am once i'm on you know trying to prioritize wizards and spells next question how do you end up drafting blue red do you fall into it or any are there any uncommons and rares that drive you that way so uh this is something that i uh i, I do in general try to prioritize talking about how i end up uh in this in the archetype that i'm talking about each week and i did kind of skip over that uh for blue red this week 
Partially, honestly, because blue red isn't a deck that I super look to draft. Um, the like tension, while it can be navigated, uh, I, I do think that it's a little bit awkward. And uh, mostly, I like the blue cards more than the red cards. And I think that the blue cards play better with green cards than they play with red cards. And I think they basically, I think that uh, each of the other colors supports the blue defensive cards better than red does because red is kind of the mo the color that's most focused on aggressive uh, cards in terms of like where its strengths are. Uh, so many of its top cards are aggressive. The, the cards that put me into blue most often make me want to avoid red. But uh, as for whether there are cards that, you know, make me try to end up in this spot, I, like Relic Amulet, obviously, like the Relic Amulet, Rockslide, Sorcerer type cards are the cards that are supposed to do that. My preference for the other blue decks over blue-red is strong enough that I will often try to be uh, just like heavy blue splash something other than red and still use Relic Amulet, but I, I don't think that that's anything like a way that you have to do it, and it's fine to uh, look to be blue-red when you start with a Relic Amulet. But yeah, like for the most part, I'm basically like taking one of these heavy blue control cards and drafting like blue and then maybe red's open and it's what I happen to play as my support or I'm taking one of these like heavy red aggro cards and drafting heavy red and then falling into whatever color is open and then I can fall into blue red so I personally am very rarely looking to draft blue red and it's just I end up there because I'm specifically like monocolor for a while and then uh the other one like the other half of the pair is what's open um the next question is how do i like zulaport duelist in the context of blue red and uh, i touched on this a little bit i talked about my mono red deck that was splashing two zulaport duelists i splashed those two zulaport duelists over like good white rares um so <laughs> uh i certainly think the ceiling on duelist is uh, really, really, really high in, like, a Grotag Bugcatcher deck. Uh, basically, I think that it's really, really good when you are basically any flavor of, uh, like, aggro, especially red-based aggro. Um, uh, like, if you have, uh, you know, Bugcatcher, Ardent Electromancer type stuff going on, uh, if you're, and like, synchronized spellcraft, like, it's a good way to get a party type that you might be lacking especially in the like base red kind of situation um but if i'm like a wizard control deck that's uh looking to use removal on all their creatures and i have a bunch of like random two ones and two threes or three twos rather that i don't particularly care about saving in combat anyway i'm just just as happy to just trade them off with my opponent's creatures then Zulaport Duelist is a really bad fit, and uh, I would I would look to avoid it. So uh, when I'm in kind of this like, you know, rock slide sorcerer kind of space uh, where I'm sort of potentially mid-range, not necessarily like red aggro and not necessarily like hard inevitability. I guess Thundering Spark Mage is an even better example where it's like flexible, but it does want party. Thundering Spark Mage, I'm gonna I'm gonna consider a Zulaport duelist, whereas like Rockslide Sorcerer, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little skeptical of the Zulaport duelist, and Relic Amulet, I'm I'm gonna be 
not very interested in Zulu Part 2 list. So, uh, yeah, not a single answer. Um, it, it can range in quality really, really highly in uh, within Blue-Red. Next question is, how do you view Bubble Snare relative to Into the Royal? Um, if I already have uh, one Into the Royal but no other removal, would I take a second Into the Royal or first Snare? So, in the context of Blue-Red, uh, Into the Royal is far superior to Bubble Snare uh, because um, it's going to trigger all of my Spells Matter stuff and it's going to like draw another card so I can get more triggers and I get to do uh, Tizim Royal Mage, buy back stuff with it. Um, and I'm basically, like if I am if I have any kind of like wizard, uh, like wizard slash instant sorcery matters type payoffs, I'm going to take you know, my fourth into the royal over my first bubble snare. Um, even if I don't have any other removal, like if I, if I don't have um, royal eruptions or whatever, I, I still, I'd rather just figure it out, bounce their stuff, attack in the air or whatever. Yeah, uh, there, there are some like blue-green spots where I might prefer bubble snare to into the royal, but uh, for the most part, that comparison in particular uh, is is going to lean pretty heavily toward Into the Royal. If I'm not at all Spells Matters somehow, like if I'm Roost of Drakes, like, so even if I'm like Lol Mage's Domination, now I'm Spells Matters because now I'm looking for Tizium Royal Mage and now Into the Royal is great. But if I'm like exactly Roost of Drakes, maybe, maybe I could be in a spot where uh, a Bubble Snare is more appealing than um, in Into the Royal. But only if it's late in the draft, because if I'm like blue-red and it's not late, I'm expecting to find things that make me really wish I had the end of the royal. Bubble Snare is a card that I that I should talk about some, though. Uh, I, I do think that it's it's a really strong card, basically regardless. But obviously, like if you're a Roost of Drakes deck, or if you're any of the blue control decks, um, or just if you have like multiple field researches, it's so much stronger. Um, than like if you are like Omara Mystic aggro and you want your non-creature spells to trigger all of your things that are looking for it. Um, so similar in structure, but not necessarily in magnitude to Zulapart Duelist, its desirability can change substantially, uh, though it's, it's, just, it's generally... Generally a stronger card than uh, Duelist, though not necessarily a stronger card than Duelist in a really, really, really aggressive party deck. And d definitely one where you're going to, like, you want it when you're trying to play a long game, but you want to be careful about it when you are really looking for instants and sorceries, uh, and especially when you're really looking for instants and sorceries, but also looking for uh, creatures. So, like, the Omora Mystic Tempo type decks... Those are the ones where you need to be a little careful about Bubble Snare, just because uh, your density of like all non-Bubble Snare stuff matters, and it's gonna like make something that's going on worse. Although, like if you have a Mara Mystic, that means you're like attacking in the air, and your opponents maybe attacking on the ground, and getting like the one mana like tempo removal spell play is like pretty important. So it's not like I'm gonna not play a Bubble Snare probably so much as like I might you know prioritize like an instant over it you know maybe a chilling maybe i would take a chilling trap over a bubble snare if i didn't think i could table the chilling trap and i had a good number of wizards for example next question is how do i identify blue being open with it being such a deep color in the format i think i basically like because it's so deep if i have good blue cards and there are still blue cards in the pack like 
it needs to be open relative to blue. And if I can get enough cards to make a deck, I'll call it open. If someone, if the person passing to me also happened to be blue, shrugs. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily worry about whether blue is open. Like, if I have a reason to be blue, I'll just fight for it, and it'll work out. Um, and then if it's not as open as I thought, I just take more red cards. If I mean, part of the strength of like this idea where you kind of stick monocolor and then make sure that you fall into the most open second color is that if you're if the color that you started with ends up being overdrafted and just runs out and you don't see it in the rest of the draft at least now you know that your second color is theoretically one that's going to stay open and you just end up shifting more and more heavily into this second color that you might have been picking like backdooring into as a splash but then ended up being your primary color because you were getting cut on uh, the color you started on and that's fine uh, you'll be able to like pivot pretty safely in that kind of spot can i talk about bug catcher versus squid is the next question yeah uh bug catcher is the card with the higher ceiling uh bug catcher is like amazing when you are uh party aggro but um it also has a much lower floor. Uh, squid is never really bad. Like even if I am party aggro, uh, the 3-2 attacking early, like um, you tend not to miss like land drops for a little while and your opponent can't really like ignore the 3-2. So like I'm basically okay playing squid in whatever. Though I, I could certainly, if, if my bug catcher deck is going well, a squid won't make my deck. But if a squid does have to make my deck, I'm not gonna be sad about it. Whereas if I'm playing like a hard control deck, base blue, and I have to play a bug catcher, I am gonna be sad about that. Bug catcher is a really horrible defensive card. And even though it's like strong enough that I can probably trade off with it before my opponent like realizes how bad it is in my deck or whatever, it's like gonna be pretty horrible if I draw it late and I don't care about what it's doing for me. Like even if I get, a mu get in a bunch of early damage, I'm not going to, like, if the rest of my deck isn't trying to close out the game with that, I'm unlikely to win that way, and then I won't end up winning until I could have won anyway, and it didn't accomplish anything. The The basic answer on the comparison between the two cards is that they just go in really different decks, and I know very, very early in a draft which one I'm looking to take over the other one, uh, and there's not, there's not a lot of confusion between the two. So I actually think that, like, if you have a basic idea, that's, like, a pick where you don't need very precise knowledge to take the right card most of the time. Um, if you're trying to attack, take the bug catcher. If you're not trying to attack, take the squid. And the time when you're not trying to attack is when you believe that your deck has inevitability against most people. Next question is, do royal eruptions being open uh, push me in any particular direction for the build? Um, royal eruptions being open I, I assume you just mean like i have picked a royal eruption or two it's not like oh no one at this table is drafting royal eruptions um so uh royal eruption obviously is pretty similar to thundering rebuke it's just like a flexible great card uh really good nagro especially because it can like go to you know your opponent's face but also very good in control because it's cheap removal that buys you time to do your inevitability stuff triggers your kicker matters things and whatnot yeah, I mean, into the royal like royal eruption is just a card that you're gonna take early if you're blue red, and it's gonna make whatever deck you have better, and it's not really gonna inform any decisions uh, about other cards you should take based on the fact that you have it outside of like it's a good spell for uh, your like royal mages, but it's the kind of thing where it's like a support good spell rather than like something like Lull Mage's Domination or um, the uh, blue kicker rare the. Um, 
the cycle of three cards, I don't know, uh, four mana, do one of three things, kick or do them all. Uh, that, that rare is a card that's going to make you like really, really highly prioritize um, Tizim Royal Mage as like a strategy, whereas Royal Eruption is just going to support uh, that that's what you're trying to do. Uh, yeah, Inscription is the uh, cycle there, the blue Inscription. All right, now we have another uh, great question. How do I view Molten Blast in blue-red? A sideboard card for artifact hate or main deckable? Uh, fun fact, I've maybe put that card in my main deck once lifetime. I don't like spending three mana on that effect. Sideboard card for artifact hate's kind of generous. Uh, I, I could imagine a world where I sideboarded in, theoretically, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of card that I just believe I can do better, and I'm I'm not the sort of person who's so desperate for removal as a concept that I'm going to uh, ever look to select that card or put it into my deck or anything. Uh, that that's the three mana uh, do two damage to I think a creature, not a player. Um, maybe it can hit players for two, but I don't think so. Uh, or kill an artifact. Like I said, I've never played it though, so I could be wrong about what it does. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not a priority for me. Um, and that uh, that covers the current uh, well of, avail of available questions that have been asked. If anyone has any further follow-up questions, I am still here and I'm happy to take more. And uh, if not, oh, uh, sure, another quick similar question. Is Sizzling Barrage playable when you have lots of bug catcher? Well, I've never been in a spot where I have so many bug catchers that I would want Sizzling Barrage while red is so cut that I might like consider playing Sizzling Barrage. In theory, it does make sense that like if I have a bunch of uh, bug catchers, Sizzling Barrage would be a good card. In practice, it still seems relatively unlikely that like I got all these bug catchers and Sizzling Barrage is the best I can do. But uh, yes, I, I could certainly see a world where that's the thing that happens if you have three plus bug catchers uh, that Sizzling Barrage is appealing to play. Um, I've, I've never put it in a deck, I've never cast it, but I, I obviously bug catcher is the card that it plays best with and that could be a thing. Next question is, uh, how highly does field research slide into uh, pick order early? Uh, is this a priority like it is in blue-green? Should I take it over Bubble Snare, for instance? And uh, the answer to that is that um, when I don't know what I'm drafting, field research is roughly my favorite comment in the set. So early on, I'm certainly going to slot field research very, very, very high into my pick order. Um, as uh, So uh, this question was asked by uh, someone who mentioned they were not here at the beginning of this, uh, so missing presumably the context that when I'm drafting blue-red, I'm looking to uh, most likely start with uh, one or more strong uncommons that are going to offer a lot of direction. Um, and so I will very quickly know if I'm in a field research kind of archetype or not a field research kind of archetype. If I'm starting with uh, Shatter Skull Minotaur or some other uh, really aggressive red cards, um, then uh, field research immediately plummets in my pick order. But uh, if I'm blue control or just like drafting good cards, then uh, field research is always going to be like right at the top of my pick order. I'm going to be very loath to take another card uh, over it. Um, 
certainly it won't be uncommon for me to be in a spot where I'm taking royal eruption over field research, but um, for the most part, like, yeah, uh, I, I love field research. I'm going to take field research highly um, unless I know that I'm specifically like a red deck that's splashing blue cards. And in that kind of deck, uh, I'm looking to avoid playing field research. That is going to uh, wrap this up. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, as always, uh, if you've enjoyed this content, you are encouraged to uh, follow my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Black. Subscribe to whatever feed you're watching this on. Uh, it could be YouTube, that could be a podcast app or whatever. And um, if you're really into it and looking for additional content or just looking to offer further support, uh, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. Getting toward the end of Zendikar, really excited to get into Kaldheim where I can, you know, offer uh, hopefully a lot of information to people who are really looking for it with some uh, cards and mechanics and everything that are t totally new and fresh. But I uh, appreciate everyone who, um, I, I know that, you know, we're very late into uh, Zendikar now, and I think I assume that most of you are here just to um, kind of use a format that you maybe already know as a way to kind of internalize some more uh, fundamental type principles. Um, and certainly, uh, my goal is to facilitate that kind of learning uh, through these. So um, appreciate uh, everyone, you know dedication to just like learning fundamentals and sticking with this while it's kind of um, an old uh, format. Anyway, uh, that is going to wrap up the podcast.